And then I said, can you turn off the nitrous oxide? And he went, yeah. And he did. And we stopped laughing. I didn't even start. Welcome, la 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 <laughs> to the blah, 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 blah. My name is Blur. My name is Blur. And you are okay in my eyes. You, you're just okay. Mm. I don't want to give you more than that. Yeah. Don't want to, don't want to. Don't want to blow you. I don't want to. Don't want to toot your horn. Acceptable. Yeah, you know, this, this, we're only twenty-one episodes in. Don't expect me to go down on you. Adequate. Not like that. Come down on you. Not like that either. Oh God. Uh, We've got. A I've been sick. I've just been sick in my brain. If anything, it made it worse. I'm oh more God, no! We've got a bevy of trailers to talk about this week at the Big Damn Camp. Trailers, trailers, tralala. <laughs> Beautifully done. Um, God, I want to watch that movie now. Right, that's it for this week's episode. But do you want to watch any of these movies, Chris? That is a segue. That's a, no. That's a thing you ride on. It's just getting filthy. Put your dirty mind aside, sir. I can't. It's in my head. It's time to talk. It's about, literally in my head. It's. T- <laughs> it's time to talk about a thing. What thing? Rogue One, baby. Rouge one. Rouge one. The little rouge one. The international trailer for the little rouge one dropped like a sack of hot potatoes. By international trailer, they mean trailer for the East Asian market because all the other trailers are in multiple countries already. Yes. It arrived on the internet this week with lovely subtitles we can't read and also a lot of new lines and a few new scenes, a few new visuals. Here's something I've noticed in the international trailer. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Or if you don't care, just listen to us talk about it. There is some... Stuff in the trailer which might be constituted as a spoiler, but if it's constituted as a spoiler, then you really haven't been paying attention to any of the Rogue One stuff so far. So pretty much, shut up. Pretty much, uh, it's... shut up. Shut up. Delighted to meet you, dear boy. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it's 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 more it's more the fact that it seems for the international market they decide that the the lines need to spell out things incredibly clearly. So nearly every line in the trailer is a line referring to something in the plot. Not like, you know, we have to do this. The force is strong with us. It's like, they're building a weapon. My father built the weapon. We have to find my father. He can help us take down the weapon. My father? Who built the weapon? The weapon built by my father. What? The Death Star. I mean, guess, this is the first time it's been called the Death Star in a trailer? Uh, possibly. It might have been called the Death Star in the other trailer. Because a lot of that footage has been reused from the, from the, from the final trailer. Which is clearly not the final trailer. (laughs) But, yeah. I've got to say this, Jin Erso's accent is less received pronunciation in this trailer than it seems in the others. All the lines of the trailer is like, that's what we do, isn't it? We rebel. Whereas in this one, it seems a little more relaxed. Are you saying which that, I'm happy with. Are you saying that Felicity Jones sounds like Felicity Jones? Yes, I am. How dare she? How dare she use her voice to speak? Oh, um, it just it made me feel a bit, eh, when, when that seemed to be a voice in the other trailers, I was like, oh, that's... Odd, considering the last protagonist we had in a Star Wars movie was also a early 20-something, very well-spoken British female. Well, I was I was listening to some other podcasts, we should not name, and they were talking <laughs> about how, um, not because we don't like them, but because... They're, because they're Death Eaters. Yeah, because... <laughs> they work for You Shall Not because Be they're, Because they're Voldemort. <laughs> uh, but because we don't want to promote other podcasts. Although we should, because they're great guys. I imagine I've never met them. Um, uh, 
they but they were talking they about my puppy. how there is a contingent of people out there who are confused by the fact that the protagonist of this movie is a British brunette woman and the protagonist of the other movie was a British brunette woman and they might be the same person. I'm like, no, they're, they're not the same person. They're not the same person. How? What? What? Why are you confused? What? But also, I was thinking more from the case of, like, this galaxy of diversity and a cast that is, like, a brilliant representation of the world we live in. Like, hey, look, here's this person, this person's from there, this person's from there. You, you can see yourself, every, pretty much everybody can see themselves in someone in that more direct kind of way in this movie. Well, I thought you said put our dirty minds aside. Dirty swine. But again, the lead is tiny British white female with posh voice. Like, oh, okay, whatever. That's that's good. That's good. Yeah. I don't think we can have enough female prote- female no, protagonists. No, no, no. That, that's series. definitely good. But just the posh voice thing. I don't know. It just seemed a bit too close to Ray for me to be like, oh, that does seem similar. Are you one of those However, people who's confused? Yes, very I'm easily. Hit you in the face. Oh, can you? Not the face. That's my money maker. Ow. Why does my face sound like your knuckles? Because I've got a very soft knuckle and you've got a very hard face. <laughs> Listen, that's how it works. Speaking of hard face. Hard face? All the analysis of this trailer earlier in the week was bragging about, Vader's it, there's more Vader. Yeah, there's one second he more He turns Vader round and does a thing with his hand. It. It's balls. That's Excellent. Balls. People are losing their shit over that, which I don't get. It's like I think people are. I think people are remembering. I mean, I'm excited to see Vader again in a movie. I think people are just remembering the feeling of seeing Han and Chewie at the end of the second Force Awakens trailer. Oh, that's definitely what they're going for. And they're going. No, but I think the way people are reacting to it is like that was incredible. That turned out to be amazing. So, well, let's get excited now. It's like, guys, calm your shit. Have you? You're seen... seeing Vader in a frame. He's not doing anything yet. Wait for the movie. Be excited. He's in it, but don't put 80 images of the same still from one second of footage and go, new footage, look at it. It's like, it's just fake, it's just fake. You've seen that before. Have you seen any of the... This could, that could be a picture of a Kellogg cereal box from around <laughs> the time of Revenge of the Sith and you wouldn't know because you'd just be too off your tits excited that it's Vader's silhouette. Have you seen the new any of the new season of South Park? None at all, no. I'm, I'm very so, behind. I haven't kept up with it since maybe... 1999. The overarching plot of the new season of <laughs> South Park is that there is a point in every great civilization where they've gone so far forward that the only thing that's comfortable is to go backwards. <laughs> and it starts when they get J.J. Abrams to reboot the national anthem. Because everyone's gone off it. Okay. And then these things called member berries start popping up, which are like little, <laughs> slightly anthropomorphic, like black currants. Just slightly. A bit like from that old Ribena advert. But they have faces, and they're always saying stuff like, Remember? Remember Chewbacca? Oh, I remember. Remember the Ewok village? Oh, I remember. Oh, remember Goonies? Oh, I remember. And if you eat them, you feel better. But they turn <laughs> out to be evil things that manipulate in everyone's nostalgia into electing Mr. Garrison, a.k.a. Donald Trump, president of the US. <laughs> um, and there's a whole scene where Randy's talking about Look, people just need to realise The Force Awakens wasn't that good. It was just a retread of the same old ideas to make us feel comfortable. Which, I I see where they're coming from, but I think it's a little harsh, because I mean, yeah, like The Force Awakens. But yeah, for, Force Awakens is... It, it, put it this way. It absolutely was a nostalgia play, but I also think it's a real fun movie, and I like it a lot. Yeah, the whole, the whole film didn't rely on you... And this is the test, really. The whole film didn't rely on you having seen, known, remembered every plot thread of, and absorbed a new hope. Except it did. To what? 
I disagree, and I'll tell you for why. And for how? Friend and colleague of mine, um, called Katie, went you to... You don't have any friends and or colleagues. That's true. I don't even like you. Oh, God. <laughs> you do lick me. Um, friend of mine, Katie, her, her boyfriend, like, is adores Star Wars movies. And he was looking forward to Force Awakens last December. And she was like, Shadow I want to get into them. I want to get into them, like, you know, maybe introduce me to them or whatnot. She was introduced by the with The Force Awakens. She thought it was incredible. She absolutely loved it. It's great. And because of that, then went, I want to see the originals. And he went, all, all of them. She went, just the good one. All so all he showed them. the original trilogy. So he showed it Empire. Um, and that was it. <laughs> no. But like, but, the, but that says to me that the film can work on its own. Yeah. But no, I, a lot of that no, special yeah. feeling comes from knowing where it came from. A lot of that special yeah. warmth in your crotch yeah. comes maybe. from the fact that you've just pissed yourself. Um, maybe when you forget to go to the bathroom. You maybe. Many stormtroopers. Oh, I remember. So yeah, have, have a look at that. If uh, The new season of South Park's pretty good. Um, pretty, pretty, so yeah, Rogue pretty One's good. happening. Are we excited for Rogue One? I'm excited I'm for Rogue excited One. I'm very excited for Rogue One. I'm, I'm not even I mean, going to be, I'm not gonna be living... Um, conveniently at home during that period and I've already figured out my game plan for going yeah. to see it in the middle of a job. I'm just kind of excited for um I'm excited for something new in that universe that isn't like about the Skywalkers and Jedi. Well that's another thing too, like they've made it very clear that this is um and I think that's quite cool really. This is uh the first time we're really sort of seeing a war in Star Wars. Yeah, it looks like a war movie. Hoth is sort of the closest we've seen to the war. And that's a great sequence. It's an amazing sequence, but this is like the first... Oh, yeah. We're flat out like, seeing it we see time. We see a lot of, like, space battles, but we don't see a lot of, like, ground-level infantry warfare. Mm. So, like, seeing AT-ATs in action. Although they're not AT-ATs in this, they're uh, AT... <laughs> they're at- ATSTs? Acts. AT- ah. AT-ACTs are the, are the walkers in this. Come again on my um, face, neck, and chest. <laughs> uh, in the quiet words of the Virgin Mary, come, come again. again. <laughs> um, so yeah, that I just think it's an it's an interesting angle to take on the Star Wars universe, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I hope it's good, because if it's not, then we're not going to get any more. Of them. <laughs> and if it is, then we might. Oh, we're getting at least one more, no matter what. We're not, already in production. I know, but uh, I mean, like, I don't want all of these to be like. This is a Han Solo prequel, and this is a Boba Fett prequel, and this is a movie about Yoda's cousin, and mm, this one's bad. a... This is a movie about Yindle. And yes, this is Yindle, and Yentl, and Yonko. Oh, God. Yonko, the Star Wars movie. Um, Wonko, the Sane. Uh, I don't want a y- movie... Yentl, a Star Wars story. Can we get Streisand to play Yentl? I, I don't want a movie about baby... <laughs> Uh, Mace Windu. I don't want that. No. But I want I want interesting stories set in the Star Wars universe, not prequels. Endless prequels. Oh, they keep saying they want to do a Boba Fett movie. I don't want a Boba Fett movie. Although there is implications... That Boba Fett might be in the Han Solo movie, which I'd be fine with, and I'll tell you why. Because in Jedi, what is it he says when Chewie's like going, oh, look out! He's going like, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. You get the implication, yeah, these two have met. Oh, yeah. Like, he They've knows Bob- Boba Fett is definitely one of the people who is on his trail, and he's aware of that. So Buffett. I don't. Where I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if like trailer one of the Han Solo movie when it comes out goes zip flop. There's Boba Fett, the thick dick of Boba Fett. Yeah, like, on the I, table. Because let's be honest, that would be that would be that means that each well, one of these movies has like a weird little hook. We like just, Rogue One. If you're not interested in Rogue One, if you're like, I don't know, I like it for the characters that we already know. The moment you see Vader in the trailer, you go, 
Alright, I'll That's give it a okay. go. Remember Death Eater? Maybe Death Eater? Um, you remember him? Maybe Death Eater. Oh, I remember. But at the same time, that character is not the focus of the movie, but they're there for the merch and to bring in the people who might not be interested otherwise and stuff. It's like Han Solo movie. People might be like, oh, I don't want to watch it if it's not Harrison Ford. It just seems a bit weird to me. Wait, Boba Fett's in it. Oh, go on. I'll give it a go. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I can kind of see that. Well, the great thing about... Plus, it would be an inexperienced younger Fett, too. The great thing about... Um, Crying over his death. That Han Solo movie. His beheaded father. Not only does Alden Ironrick look the part, but they've also got Donald Glover for Lando, so yeah, fine. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's ruddy um, do it, Smash! Um, but yeah, I. there's also implications in the new expanded universe that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc. <laughs> because someone finds his armour. Mandalorian armour in the desert. In the desert. So, like half burnt up. Yeah. So he's peeled so that shit off. he may be alive. I'll be down with that. I but he was in the old EU. I he, would he, be. He, he, so down He clawed himself out of the Sarlacc pit. So, but I just want to see Boba Fett be competent in something. Yes. Yes, yes. And yes, actually yes, do a yes. thing other than look cool. That'd be nice. Boba Fett doing a thing? Because there isn't really any canon media where he's a badass anymore. There's plenty of it in the old EU, but not in the new one. Not in the new EU. The new EU. The new you. Although they've made some decent use of the bounty hunters in the uh, comics, and the stuff. comics, the yeah, universe. yeah. Oh god, they they do some really nice stuff with those guys. Uh, Dengar's been in a couple. Of, like <laughs> Dengar's almost had Luke at one point, and uh, I think Ig eighty eight, Ig eighty eight, and uh, what's the z- 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 uh, that guy? What's he called? That guy. The the droid with the brain thing. Uh, Zuckus. I think he's popped up at some point. I could be imagining that, but Dengar definitely popped up. But I'm not sure if the others are. You're always imagining um, things. Zuckus, what a name. Um, so what are the trailers we <laughs> what got? What a guy. What are the trailers we got? Well, over in trailer land, we've got the trailer for... Now, this one confuses the living crap out of me because I'm not too familiar with the source material, but Valerian? Valerian and the City from... of a Thousand Planets! Yeah, that's the one. Um, um, this is a movie adaptation of a graphic novel that I, handing in my geek card, did not know was a thing. I'm assuming it's some kind of... I'm assuming it's not an American graphic novel. Like, I, it, with it being Luke Besson in a French movie, it could well be a... F- it would probably be a, a French bande dessinée. Because France have got a huge oh, yeah. tradition of, of comic books. Same but with Italy. Sort of like, almost completely separate from yeah. the Western um, sort of stuff that you get in the UK and America and whatnot. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's based on the French science fiction comic series Valerian and Loreline. Yes. So I'm assuming that Karen Delevingne is Loreline and... Um, Dane DeHaan is Valerian. Yes, that is Oh, true. I'm correct, because I'm really clever. Oh, Rihanna's in it. Awesome. John Goodman's in it. Awesome. Yay. Clive Owen's in it. Yeah. Um, Chris Wu. I don't know who that yeah. is. <laughs> Ethan Hawke. He always does a job. Oh, we like Ethan Hawke. We do like Ethan Hawke. Um, this I is essentially... Like Ethan Hawke. It, the, not much plot is given away in the trailer. It's mostly action Almost shots. Almost no plot shots. is given away in the trailer. And that's kind of fine because Luke Besson's, well, at least one of his most beloved films as far as sort of mass reviews and response and everything goes, is The Fifth Element. This movie... Come and you... Come and... Come and As you brilliantly pointed out while we were watching the trailer, this trailer looks like basically the fifth element and Mass Effect had a baby. Oh god, it looks like, so much of this trailer looks like Mass Effect, and me being the big Mass Effect guy I am, I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) 
Oh, that looks nice. Oh, that's a thing. I have no <laughs> idea what this is about, but visually it looks interesting. But then so did Jupiter Ascending, and look how that turned out. Yeah. However, <laughs> however, with Besson, there's, there's, I mean, Fifth Element, he took a world, he didn't fully explain to you what it was, he just went, yeah, you'll get it. Lily Dallas Multipass. <laughs> Sorry, what? Lily Dallas Multipass. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. But he just... He just expects, he's like, look, you guys have watched Star Wars. You guys have read up reading fantasy and horror and sci-fi. You know just, what this is. Just get in, get in into this story and enjoy just it. Get in. Just get in. Just get in. Here's, here's your way in. Bruce Willis is playing a sort of taxi cab driver kind of character you've seen in normal, air quote, stuff. I'm a normal guy. Here's your way in. There you go. Um, but he also is completely ingrained in this world and knows about it. I'm Bruce Willis. Normal man. I'm Bruce Willis. Still kind of giving a shit at Everyone this point. Bruce Willis. <laughs> Everyman Bruce Willis. I, I'm Bruce All Guy Willis. I am. I am the All Man. I am Bruce Corbin based life form Dallas Multipass. I'm Willis. I'm Corbin McLean Dallas. Oh God. Um, Distant descent descendant. So this is going for that same kind of vibe, at least with the cityscapes and the alien species by the look of it. So I'm fine. I'm down with it simply yeah. for that alone. Visuals look pretty cool and interesting. Diverse set pieces. Really freaky looking alien dudes. Freaky. They're probably wobbling. There's not a lot of just sort of big muscle things going charging. There's lots of wobbling and waddling and like sort of more bulbous sort of shaped creatures. Yeah, there's and some there's a dude interesting looking stuff in there. Yeah. There's a dude who literally looks like Simon Pegg's character from Force Awakens. Uncapulate. <laughs> <laughs> when we were watching, we were watching the trailer. I just, I, without even thinking about it, I just instinctively went mm, one quarter. Because <laughs> it just looked like the exact same character but with a bit of face paint. Um, uh, but yeah, yes. I mean, it's it's interesting enough. It hasn't exploded the world, but it certainly made the people who watched Lucy and went, oh, "This is a bit." It's a bit flat for what I'd expect from Luke Besson. I've not watched, them go, I've not okay. seen Lucy. I dig it. Do you? Do you dig I it? dig it. It's it. It ends in a way that makes you go, wait, what? Wait, what? <clears throat> and it is a bit strange. It is a bit, I can see why it puts a lot of people off, but I I dug it. And and to see him go like, well, that was fun. Now I'm going to go batshit mental again. <laughs> makes me happy. How do you feel about Leon? Depressional, uh, yeah. Or that guy down the road who owns the pizzeria who owes me five bucks. <laughs> no, the, uh, has the possibly killed a man. Jean Reno and Tiny Natalie Portman movie. I like Leon the Professional. I've only ever seen it the once though, and I saw it while I was studying film studies at college, so I saw it in the wrong environment because I, was I like made it a whole bunch. To pay attention to it, which is a shame. What? What? You know, you're forced to study something. I so, I know I know very well. You know all too well. I know very well. You know all too well. Um, but yeah, it's Luke Besson. It's Fifth Element esque. I'm down. Are you down to clown? I'm down to Brown Town. <laughs> oh God. Uh, <laughs> now speaking of um, Fifth Element esque looking cityscapes, take Fifth Element. Yeah. Now let's throw a bit of Blade Runner in there. Take Fifth Element and throw it away. <laughs> okay. Just. Get rid of it. Erect a bit of Blade Runner in its place. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then replace the source material of the thing you're adapting with a bit of Blade Runner. Right. Yeah, okay. And that appears to be what we have with Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell? Y- y- yeah, Ghost in the... Ghost? Ghost in the Shell. In the Shell. It go- There's a ghost, right? Yeah. Who... Is lives in... in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> SpongeBob Square Ghost. Oh God. Um, SpongeBob um, Square Pants. 
I'll watch that. SpongeBob Shell Pants. Ghost of the Shell is originally a manga or an anime first? It was originally a manga, then an anime movie, and then an anime series called Standalone Complex. Right. Um, I have seen a little bit of Standalone Complex. I have seen the original version of the anime movie. Right. Many times. Many, many moons, many, 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 many moons, many, many moons. It was one of my... Many, many moons. Uh, sorry. Yes. Go on. Yes. It was one of my uh, <laughs> old VHS manga collection along with the 12-part Giver series. And, <laughs> you uh, had the Giver. I had the Giver. Brilliant. It was, on, it was half hour episodes, but each one was on a separate VHS. So <laughs> I had 12 VHSs for a six-hour series. Um, was it like magazine collection kind of thing? N- no, it was just released in that was just, it was released That's in single so episodes. Stupid. Yes, <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Guess what else was stupid? Oh, go on, Giver. Oh, god, it's great. <laughs> um, it's really good. For those of you who um, have a thing for symbiotic insectoid armor, look no further. Look no further than Giver. <laughs> Giver. Gaver. Uh, Where's the crossover? Oh, I hope it. Some Dark Horse will have done it or something. Um, or Boom Studios or Dy- Dynamite. Dynamite no. definitely will have done it. Top Cow in their dying <laughs> breath. Um, so. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. What's the basic story in Ghost in the Shell by Jim? So, Gino? the story of the movie. No. Well, but the, the central character of Ghost in the Shell is Major Motoko Kusanagi. Who is explicitly Japanese. Um, and she is a, she's a police officer for a special ops police team who deal with like cybercrime and, cause it's in a future where cybernetics and the line is starting to blur between cybernetics and organic and like robot, cybernetic enhancements are very common and often undetectable. Motoko, or the major, as she's usually called, or Major Kusanage, the major is a, her entire body is mechanical. Yeah. She's basically a brain in a shell inside a cyborg body. The brain um, in the shell. The brain in the shell. The ghost in the shell, if you will. They oh. call well, they call her they, they call the brain the ghost. Mm. So so her Well it's but, that it's that notion of a consciousness in the machine. Yeah, exactly. In this case it's, it's a literal consciousness, consciousness in, the machine. in the machine. But then in the movie she deals with someone called the puppet master who is um hacking people's ghosts. Right. But but he's hacking people who are, don't have many enhancements and using them as proxies and wiping their memories and putting different different uh, um, memories in their head and um, then she starts to call into question like am I even real then am I is my do I have do I have a real ghost. Yeah, what was if, I real or have I been programmed to believe if, I'm just like the rest? Yeah, of them? what if I don't actually have a program? Um, and I've not watched many. I've not watched any standalone complex, so I don't know how deep they get into that. Um, but it's you know it's really visually striking. It's a real pain in the ass to find a copy of that original uh, movie because they've kind of replaced. They then the Ghost in the Shell 2.0, which replaces a bunch of the animation with like CGI bullshit. Oh, um, and I remember like, being advertised a lot in the yeah. late 2000s, I think it like, was. And like on Netflix, they've got like a lovely widescreen version of Ghost in the Shell 2.0 that looks like shit. And then they <laughs> used to have, I don't know if they've still got it, but they used to have the original Ghost in the Shell movie, which was um, a really, really shit transfer. Oh, like a God. really, really poor, like, 4-3 transfer. So Netflix got, um, got two out of the three versions, yeah, yeah. and they were the two shit versions. Uh, yeah, there it is, Ghost in the Shell 2.0. Uh, but it's... 
I that that original movie had a profound effect on me as a, when I first saw it as a, like a teenager. Um, it, it was a huge uh, influence on things like The Matrix and that sort of cyberpunk uh, uh, movement in the early to that late nineties, early two thousands. It it's awesome. It's really good, um, and I'm glad that they're making a, a, a like a major movie version. I'm. I am deeply, deeply uh, confused by the choice to make Major Kusanagi Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I love Scarlett Johansson. She's yeah. brilliant. She, she, and, she'll play it very well. That's and, a guarantee. Yeah, as she's, an actor, she she's a great actress, well. and she's also proved herself as a as a bankable and believable action star. Um, you know, she's she's a she's a real action heroine. Hmm. Um, I mean, again, in recent years, just her work in the Avengers yeah, stuff, yeah. Lu- Lucy as well. Like you see her in these movies, and you go, "Yeah." If you put her on a poster for an action blockbuster, people will go, "Okay, yeah, exactly. sold." Um, but like she, especially because the film seems to still be kind of set in the same place, and a lot of the cast yeah, are it, not American actors as well. Yeah, it's like it's, why? Oh, it's, yeah, it is set in Japan, and she is called she is Matoko Kusanagi. Like she's not, she's, and there was. There's a lot of scuttlebutt around that early in pre-production there was work on how they could use makeup or CGI to make her look Asian. So oh, I'm like, God. what? Well, this might this might give you a bit <clears throat> a bit of insight. The producer is Avi Arad. Oh fucks. So sake. that says a lot already, and I I only just realised this as we're reading it now, reading some information on it. Avi Arad's involvement that wasn't mentioned at any other point during the the controversial reveal of them testing how to make her look Asian and stuff. But that makes so much sense. This is the man who, like, is shitting all over Marvel by, as much as he can, out of spite for them working with Sony for Spider-Man by keeping Venom and things like this. Like, He's a very spiteful producer, so it sounds more like an old... He's thinking it in the old school thing of, we'll get a big star in it and that'll be the pull. Here's the thing, you know how you get around that? You don't cast an Amer- a white, Amer- a Caucasian American actress in the lead role, but if you want to get bums in seats in that traditional Hollywood, get a star involved kind of way, have a supporting character or two played by a big Hollywood name. Yeah, and get an act- and you know if there aren't any, if you're worried that oh there's no Asian American stars or Asian stars that that you know, we haven't got anyone to cast in this, make one. Yeah, make one. <laughs> like cast them and make one. Like that's what you do. Like people are stars, people become stars because of like a great performance in a big in a movie that a lot of people like. Yeah. So just make a star, just mm. cast, take a chance, take a fucking risk for <laughs> once in your life and cast someone in the right ethnicity. And oh, you've just made an Asian star. Well done. Fuck idiots. Um, but what do you think of the trailer, Chris? As someone who's never seen the anime, who's never seen anything of it, other than I'll be completely honest, my entire exposure to it was the adverts on the back of UK reprints of comics throughout the 2000s when they'd be advertising the DVDs and stuff. There were many. There were so many. Um, I always loved the title, and I always got the idea from the title that it was about consciousness within technology and stuff. So I was like, okay. Visually, like we're saying now, the two two of the trailers we've watched today, like Valerian and this, are both sort of, here's a fully submerged, here's a fully existing world. We are plunging you into it. I think the look of the world is pretty interesting. I think some of the sort of more grotesque visual elements are pretty freaky and that have my attention. Like that sort of 
uh, geishery thing at the beginning. Face opened up. Yeah. Face opened up into all that like, like, swirling cold. Dragging and stuff. someone off that looks like it's kind of spidery. Yeah, and, like yeah. stuff like that's like okay. I'm interested to see that. I like Scarlett again. Like this is the outsider perspective of it. I like Scarlett Hansen as an action star. I will happily watch her as an action lead in something. So that alone has me going okay. But I obviously have that extra knowledge of it's a bit weird this casting, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it sort of sounds. I I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna give it a watch. I'm gonna. Give it, I'm um, I'm curious because I'm curious to know what storyline they're going with because also like the. <clears throat> There's, the there's, trailer no official, doesn't, there's no official confirmation on which arc or the trailer angle. doesn't seem to um, say much. Say much about the plot at all. So yeah, eh. who knows? I think we'll both be like. Eh. Uh, apparently, it was originally scheduled uh, by Walt Disney Studios for an April 2017 release through Touchstone, uh, but. Disney have got nothing to do with it now. It's Paramount and DreamWorks mm-hmm. and Amblin. So, it's all Spielberg. Blame Spielberg. I usually do. Speaking of Disney, though, um, it's time to touch on something which a lot of people buzzed like crazy about this week. And for the life of me, I don't really understand why beyond one thing. Beauty and the Beast got its first full trailer. This is the live what? action remake. <laughs> 30 years after it came out? Uh, oh, no, this, 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 this is a remake, Matthew. Oh, oh. Well. Everybody's dead, Dave. Uh, Everybody's dead. Okay. The Beauty of the Beast has already come out, Dave. Uh, um, oh, 20, 25 years after it came out, yeah. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, God, we are talking about that the day, the fact that it came out, the year, year that I was born. But I always thought I remember, it was something that came out after them because, you know. I remember seeing it in the cinema, which means it mustn't have come out until 1992 or so because I would have only been four. But I do remember seeing it in the cinema. La, da, 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 That's da. one of my earliest memories, that and Aladdin. Oh, what a great man. Especially for a young lad, like seeing I Aladdin remember, in the cinema, you've just been like, yeah. I remember seeing Aladdin and being terrified by the Cave of Wonders <laughs> and then going to the the, uh, the McDonald's in Salford. <laughs> oh my God. The majority of my earliest cinema memories are seeing a movie, usually a Disney film, at the cinema, and then going to either the McDonald's in Salford or the Burger King. Oh, awesome. In the area, because they had the Lion King toys that were like full-blown action figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Like, fully posable lions. I was like, this is amazing. I had a couple of the Happy Meal toys that were Batman <laughs> animated series characters. I had those. Um, the, the, Joker, the Joker head it was a water pistol. I had the little, I had the little cat one. Which is basically oh, a scaled right, okay. down, less poseable version of the actual action figure. Okay, that's pretty cool. really cool. Because the Joker one was sort of like a little squirt gun yeah, with the Joker's yeah. face. And uh, there was the little Batmobile, like pull back and go Batmobile. Yeah. Uh, oh shit, what else did I have? Oh god, I remember them. Um, yeah. That was, oh. when, that was when they had the upstairs bit really open all the time in that McDonald's. And yeah. kids parties happening all the time. And I, I had it? a couple of the Happy Meal Aladdin toys because I had the little genie lamp that you turned the, the bottom of it and then the genie's head popped out of the top of the lamp. <gasps> And, um, it just keeps going yeah. up and down yeah. on top of the thing. Oh I had, my I had God. a sultan, and he, I, can't remember, I think he was. I think he was like a, a like a weeble wobble, like he weebles. Oh, I think they I don't think fall down. For some reason, I can I can remember winding him. Yeah, I think he sort of like zipped along a bit. He was on like, I I he was on like, like a carpet or something. No, I feel like he was a weeble, and you like <laughs> he just he just he just didn't fall over. He like a, he had like a spherical base, and he just like didn't fall over. <laughs> just wobbled and, 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 and I had a Jafar who you pressed the back of him and his arms went up and his cape expanded. Oh, that's Because he, cool. he had like a cloth cape like tied to his wrists yeah. and his back and then you just hit the thing and his, and his arms came up in a T-shape <laughs> and, his, and his cape came out. That's pretty, that pretty freaking cool. sweet. Oh my um, God. Do you remember yeah. those toys were, were the tits? I think now McDonald's toys are 
QR barcodes. They're terrible. <laughs> they're like, um, I'm sure I've seen that at some point. The, the toy was basically a barcode. If you scan it, you get like a little app. And I'm like, that is depressing. I know over some of them we do Adventure Time figures, which were like interchangeable. Oh, that's So you can take cool. them apart and then put them together in different um... Oh, is that the one where they had the advert in cinemas a lot for it? I with, think so. With them all throwing paper airplanes at each other. It was animated, but they clearly didn't have any sound clips or weren't allowed to use any sound clips from the actors from the show. So they're all just making generic oh, noises. <laughs> it's like, what is this? What is this? But yeah, Beauty and the Buile. Beauty and the Boost. As I like to call it, quite possibly their finest animated movie. I'm going to say it, right? Because it appeals... Appeals to both, like the young boys it, and young girls. It came reasons. out at a very strong period of Disney animation. It, it was, so. it was at the, it was what's you, you know about that period? It's called the Disney Renaissance. It would started with the Little Mermaid. Didn't started it? the Little Mermaid yeah. in eighty nine, and then this. Uh, then the Rescue was Down Under was sort of like the Iron Man two of it, of which it was oh, like Rescue Down Under is not good, but I kind of love it. Not too bad. <laughs> I think the Rescuers is a bit. I think the Rescuers is a bit worse. <laughs> the Lizard, I love Joanna. <laughs> like the Komodo Dragon <laughs> thing. Oh God. But Rescue's Down Under was sort of like a, okay, we know what we're doing. Here's a film. Here's a film. Enjoy this one, guys. Boom. Here's Beauty and the Beast. Here's Aladdin. Here's the Lion King. Here's Pocahontas. Here's the Huntsback of Notre Dame. Hercules. Here's Mulan. Here's Hercules. Here's... Who uh, puts the gliding gladiator? Hercules! Who's um, um, The thing is with that one, that's considered one of the worst, apparently. But I think we were unaffected by that criticism because of when it came out and how old we were. I think we were unaffected by that criticism because it's fucking great. The music is amazing for that one. It's that's Alan Menken. Alan Menken's like songs for that one are phenomenal. It's great. Um, Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. It's great. And then Tarzan was sort of the last big one. It started to wind down. Tarzan po- Pocahontas knocked great. the wind out of the sails a bit. Yeah. Because the historical controversy and the fact that it, the sort of the mm. style they tried to make everyone look realistic. Except for the people who we weren't meant to find attractive. They made them cartoony. It was like, this style's clashing with itself yeah. a bit. This is weird. And then... <laughs> and, and then, um, yeah, sort of that, that derailed it a bit. Mulan peaked it back up, but by that point it was sort of unrecoverable. So when Tarzan came out, the reaction was just sort of like, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, again, visually brilliant movie. And I love that one as well. And that it sort of died a death after that. Because like, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, again... Amazing movie. Hey, you love that movie. I love Atlantis Lost Oh my god. Forget your jammies, Mrs. Packard. I sleep in the nude. How's <laughs> my blindfold? You might want to wear these. She sleepwalks. <laughs> Such a great oh. movie. We'll have to, we'll have to so do good. it. Yeah. Atlantis Lost Empire is amazing. And, and, and again, Treasure Planet. I waited years before I watched that. I picked it up in a bar and get one free about three years ago. I was like, Treasure Planet! I'll go on up. I'll give it a go. It's amazing. Didn't that come out like around the same time as Titan E as well? Yes, and I think so that's they were kind of like dueling movies. Essentially, the thing is, Treasure Planet was one. Treasure Planet was the movie that a couple of the animators wanted to make since like the late eighties. They yeah. wanted to do this sci-fi version of, of Treasure Island, and they were given like, do Aladdin, great. I do Mulan, great. I do Tarzan. It was like, oh, when can we do Treasure Planet? Essentially. I just want to do Treasure Planet. Essentially, that's what was happening. They kept being given different projects to work on and they poured their heart and soul into every single like, one. Like Terry Jones trying to make um, Don Quixote. <laughs> Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam, sorry. Yeah, Terry Jones. So Terry Gilliam. Jones was yeah. busy uh, doing voiceovers for a sorry. Dick and Dom show at that point, yes, I think. Yes. Um, but... Terry's mixed up, sorry. <laughs> it's alright, darling. Yeah, um, Terry Gilliam, Brazil. But yeah. <laughs> no, no. Matt Watson, UK. 
You're here. Yes, I'm oh, sorry, yes, yes. Uh, but, um, I'm me, you are you. But they eventually make Treasure Planet, but by this point, it sort of quieted down, so it was... Eh, but it's a great movie. And Lilo and Stitch, everyone forgets Lilo, oh, Lilo and Stitch. Oh, Lilo and Stitch is, is great! great film. Oh, it's so good! Oh, just... And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them to return to that s- similar sort of setting with Moana. Yeah, Moana looks, oh, Moana Moana looks amazing. really cool. Um, but even, even, um, even what's it? Um, Emperor's New Groove it breaks the formula Emperor's New Groove but it's a damn funny hour and a half it's fondly remembered I'm not in love with it but it's fondly remembered it's a funny it's it's one of their funniest in terms of they aimed to make you laugh and they do it it's like they don't normally do straight comedies and that was was their first I wasn't watching Disney by the time that came out I think I I I feel like I I feel like I was at the point where I was like I'm too old for Disney now I'm so cool (laughs) by the time Home on the Range it was like this animation's gorgeous but it's not very good It's, it's not great and then Chicken Little began their CGI uh, trend which didn't get good until what Tangled I'd argue yeah I think I think Bolt is a good film but it's none of them are really Meet the Robinsons visually is fun but they're not really like oh these are amazing until Princess and the Frog and it's like oh my god Return to Handron this is exact. this recaptures that Renaissance kind of feel the only difference is instead of Alan Menken doing the music it's Randy Newman so you know <laughs> uh, <laughs> like there's one really good song one of the best pretty well, <laughs> Have you ever seen it? No. Oh, we're watching it. Oh, we are watching it. Keith David's the villain. Oh, yeah, I know. He's I've the seen, best thing about it. I've seen it. clips from it. I think you've shown me his like first song. His song, like, big song, his song is yeah. the best song in the movie. And it's great. And Jim Cummings finally gets a main oh, role. Oh, yes, you're talking about Jim Cummings' role. Yeah, yeah. And he's so good. Um, it's a really great film. And then they did Tangled, which obviously they were making alongside, and that's great. Still, I've still not seen. But the book. box office for that did better than the box office for Princess and the Frog, so that set the course now. So it's like CGI, CGI from now. And to be on. fair, they are doing wonderful things with their CGI work. Yeah, oh, some like of they've it, overtaken some of it is, Pixar because the, the Pixar look of it is stunning. Stag started to stagnate into sequels. I feel like. Yeah, but again, a lot, a lot of that's being told to make. Whereas, make follow-ups. Make your follow-ups. Yeah, and I want to see more. Like Inside Out was amazing, mm. but then. Monsters University was good, but it wasn't. It didn't have that same impact as Monsters Inc. I'm excited for Incredibles two, but can you really repeat the Incredibles? Also, don't do another fucking Cars movie. <laughs> Jesus, I know you like Cars, dude, but like, stop. They're not good. Like the the first one was the worst Pixar movie you'd made at that point, and then you made another one. <laughs> The problem being that kids fucking love them. They love them. And I cannot... I'm, oh, no. But, but it's, one like of the, it. it's one of those where as they get older, they'll begin to look at them more and go, well, that's not very good, is oh, it? that's another one. Oh. You remember when um, Disney yeah. used to get like fucking spin-off series for all their movies? Yes. Big Hero 6 is getting a series. Oh, I heard animated, though. Handle like, animated. That makes um, me happy. The, most of the cast is returning. TJ Miller's not returning. And another... Which is a shame, because that's, uh, no. DreamWorks seem to do quite well with getting their casts back for their animated spin-offs. The guy who played Wasabi isn't coming back either. His name I can't remember. Oh, that's a shame. Um, so, it, other than that, it's the same cast. Okay. Well, so, Scott, we've got Scott Adsit as, as Baymax, which is the important thing. Yes. Like, we need... Baymax needs to be Baymax. Uh, but it's getting a, a ongoing series. Seems a bit late, but at the same time, because it's been, well, it's been, I think, it's been, it'll, been it'll been at least two and a half years before that comes out. I think they were developing a sequel, and then we're like, actually, no, let's just do a series. Makes more sense. I, I think. They were, I think. I don't think. Were, I don't think. I think sequels the bad way to go, which is why the fact they are currently knee deep in Frozen Two makes me really sad. 
Because I already they don't... They couldn't not make a sequel to Frozen. Yeah, though. but why make a sequel? The, the, the Walt Disney Pictures canon has only ever had like, the canon itself of these... Because the, these the Walt Disney Pictures still movies. a business, they've Chris. All, no, I know, but they've only ever made one sequel, and that was The Rescuers Down Under. But they're still a business, and... Jesus Christ, Frozen made so much money. Even Fantasia... It made no. so much no, money. But even Fantasia 2000 isn't a Walt Disney Pictures uh, film. It's separate. Like, they, they sort of made... There was almost like a precedent set of Walt Disney Pictures will be original stories. It'll be a unique tale every time. And then Rescuers Down Under broke the mould for some reason. And now we're getting Frozen 2. And I'm worried that that will set it off into a Pixar thing of... And now we're going to do uh, Home on the Range 2. No, because I think... I here's think, Atlantis 2. Here's Tarzan 2. And I'm like, no, I don't want these. I think don't you want these. I think you would have seen more of that already if they were that we would have had a tangled two and we'd have had well uh, the nin- the 90s filled a lot of that gap the 90s and 2000s filled a lot of that gap in because they'd started doing their director dvd director yeah. video stuff and that was and a, i'm bo- fine that with was that a because thing, wasn't it? Uh, uh, disney toon was the studio what was the what was the guy who was the head ceo of disney at that point though? michael eisner yeah that was an eisner thing it was like man gonna make all because he was a business dude like he yeah. was like oh we're gonna make all this money <laughs> we're gonna push we're gonna leverage we're gonna leverage our ips mm-hmm. we're gonna leverage our brand and just pump shit out with well, our name on it, it all sort of happened by accident as well because basically like we'd going to do an Aladdin TV series which I remember watching on Saturday yeah, morning which was alright because yeah. I think with Aladdin you have you have room for that because you adapt like the, the uh, you know 40 days and 40 nights not 40 days the, the Arabian, you adapt Arabian the Arabian nights, nights yeah. you adapt all those those legends and myths and stuff into stories yeah. and they did and that was good um, so that makes sense but they did a pilot which was an hour and 10 minute long episode uh, called Return of Jafar which they were and then they went a... we'll put it out yeah, on, yeah. on VHS instead so they did. And then they went, that made money. Keep doing it. Um, to various degrees of success, including only two theatrical uh, releases for these straight-to-video DVD titles. Return to Neverland was a theatrical, uh, had a limited run. And Jungle Book 2 had a limited run. And both of them are terrible movies. And both of them do the 2000s thing of, there's no new songs in them apart from, like, one. But there's also modern pop songs from artists they think are going to be big in the score it's like what is this what is this shit it's mental so um long story short disney aren't doing those sort of sequel things anymore but they still want to take advantage of their ips so what are they doing maleficent maleficent is i did not like maleficent maleficent i've still not watched it i i've still watched it i'll tell you why an earlier draft was written by paul dini oh not used in the Ooh. at all by the end. You know why I didn't like Maleficent? When you get a script from Paul Dini and go, nah, we can do better. I don't trust you. See Arkham Origins and Arkham Knight for more information. Yes. Like, it's just like, really, guys? Really? But also, I don't want to know the sympathetic backstory of the most heinous villain in Disney's canon. Guess what, Chris? It's really fucking boring. Yep. It's really boring. Yeah, it's a boring film, complete with a random stuffed into the last five minutes remake of Sleeping Beauty in the last sort of it's ten minutes. Dull, dull, dull. That sleep, boring that movie. sleep that lasts for a hundred years, lasts for fifteen minutes I in wish the movie. It fucking, uh, <laughs> wish I was asleep for a hundred years. Is Aurora boring? Put me asleep for a hundred years. 
So, yeah. Yeah, uh, boring. Maleficent's odd, but they continue anyway, and they do Cinderella, which a lot of people tout as... It's really nice. Basically, Kenneth Branagh directing a live-action adaptation of a, of a famous fairy tale. Well, you know, you, you say what you will about Kenneth Branagh, but he, Branagh? He, he, even if he's directing as a, like a money job, he tends to direct interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, it was an interesting <clears throat> live-action take of something that we'd already read or had read to us or had seen animated versions of before. Basically, uh, yes, I'll, I'll do this one for you if you if you give me money for my next Shakespeare project. Uh, All right, Ken. Okay, fair enough, Ken. Oh, Ken. Oh, thank you very much. Um, and then it's made. <laughs> so then it, it's made. It does okay. Its critical reception is mostly... Yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. Um, it's not necessary, but if you like the story of Cinderella, give it a go. All right, cheers. Then Jungle Book, which is a mashup adaptation of the Disney animated classic and the source material that it should actually sort of be based on, the Rudyard Kipling novels. Um, and it's an action blockbuster for the family. It's an early summer flick. It's light-hearted, but really sort of violent and scary in places. It's everything a Jungle Book story should be. It does really well. I was freaking blown over by it. I thought it was amazing. You were, you were blown by it? I was it. blown by it. <laughs> I was blown by it. I was like, Shere Khan, you did well, mate. Do you want to come back to my place? Shere Khan. No, new Shere Khan. Shere Khan! Oh, God. <laughs> Idris Elba! Um, what about... Mm, man. No. George Sanders, I was like, nah, you're going over here now, mate. And I put him in the corner. Delightful. I shaved him bald and painted him blue again. Oh. <laughs> and said, you're Mr. Freeze again no. now. Um, no! Because yeah. <laughs> he spirals off to the Phantom Zone. <laughs> um, so, Covered in a cellophane S. Dirty bastard. So that was, you know, that Jungle Book works quite well. Works really well. And then they go, beating the beast out next. And we're like, right. And a teaser comes out and we're like, Right, okay. Recreating the music quite nicely. Visuals of the castle looks really good. You see it sort of in in its bright light and it fades to how it is now. It's like, that's cool. Visual style looks nice. Okay. Well, bit of Ewan McGregor and Ian McKellen's voices there. They sound all right. Ewan McGregor doing a ridiculous accent. Which is, because isn't his wife French? Because I'm sure he said he's based it off of his wife. It still sounds ridiculous, though. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> like, in the original trailer, you hear, like, maybe she is the one. And you're like, maybe okay. she is the one. But in this one, you go, oh, is that, is that Lumiere's voice <laughs> now? Is that Lumiere's voice the, now? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, God. <laughs> but here we are with a full trailer for Belly and the Beauty and the Beast, mate. I don't know if I want to see this movie. Mm. It's pretty bleak looking. Yes. There are splashes of colour, but As the whole the thing way. looks like it's got that filter on it. It looks like it's someone's whacked a filter in front of the lens, which Cinderella kind of has. Hashtag no filter, Chris. Oh, God. But Maleficent Cinderella had it too. Everything sort of looks like it's been greywashed slightly. Jungle Book didn't have that problem because John Favreau like reveled in the colours. You might just see the flowers and the leaves, and you know what I mean. Like, oh god, I'm so high right now. <laughs> but there's only like two scenes in that which are set in dark, gloomy areas that look grey. The rest yeah. of the film was like, yeah. look at this. Whereas this movie kind of looks like the whole thing is sort of. And even the original, yes, the castle's meant to be dark and scary, but there's freaking talking furniture mm. and, and 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 objects that move. They they're still meant to look sort of colourful and interesting. And the beast... I'm going to say, I think the beast design looks cool. Yeah. 
But that CGI face is playing with my emotions a bit. It looks, it's, there's a bit of the uncanny valley about his face. Where it looks like they've clearly yeah. gone, costume, 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 bit of CGI, we'll touch it up here, we'll do the Iron Man where you'll wear a bit of it, and then we'll have the rest here, and this, that, and the other. As for the face, yeah, we'll do a bit of makeup on you, but then we'll just put some dots on your lips, and that'll so, do. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But there's been a Beauty and the Beast TV series with Ron Perlman where yes, he wore there full has. prosthetics. Yep. Which looks pretty cool. That's Ron Perlman, he always looks great. Uh, <laughs> there's been a stage show of Beauty and the Beast for how many years? Um, God knows. That's, that's been doing the runner for at least ten, at least ten, at if least not more. a decade. I, I saw it about a decade ago. Yeah. Um, Which... and, and I think I, I, I heard that when they were doing this, talking about adapting this, they were going to base it a bit more on the Disney Broadway yeah. version. But having seen that, it's not that much more expansive on the material of the movie. And also... They put back a musical number into it and added a couple of scenes. It's a dude in a beast costume. Yes. So why don't they just fucking do that? Like, they know they can do it. But so Matt, why don't they just fucking do that? But Matt, you've heard the music, right? The second trailer's entire impact has relied on the music. I'm saying it now. If you, if you are excited for this movie, that is great. More power to you. Wish I had felt the same. But a lot of the praise I saw for this on Facebook and everything the day it came out, this trailer, was people going, Oh, that music. Oh, I can't wait to see it. And I just want to say to them, Go over to your DVD shelf. Watch the movie that already exists. There remember you go. Belle? Remember <laughs> Beauty and the Beast? You remember? Uh, I remember. That's what it is. Remember? It's a nostalgia play in a similar way to the way The Force Awakens was, but in a much more naked and cynical well, it's way. It's the same character. Because they're not retooling it yeah. into it's not a, a new soft story. Re-rit. Yeah, it's, it's just a remake of Beauty and the Beast. In places of the trailer as well, Almost shot for shot. Yes. Good so, lord. There is a side-by-side comparison that you introduced me to on YouTube that makes you go, oh. Yeah. Right. Okay. Come on, guys. And also, it's Luke Evans, isn't it, is Gaston. That's the character I want to see some more of. Gaston's one of the best Disney villains. Because unlike a load of them, he's not a moustache-twirling evil, I'm going to end the world. He thinks, he, he genuinely, a lot of people say that every villain thinks they're the good guy in their... Every villain's the good guy in their own story. But Gaston really just thinks he's the good guy. He's a bit of a belly. He's the most handsome, popular, strongest, impressive guy in all of the town. No one fights like He's that. the hero. No one no one bites like Gaston. You know what I mean? No one's got a swell cleft in his chin like Gaston, man. Like, Gaston Gaston is the tits. He's like, especially good at expectorating. He really is. <laughs> Which up until this year, I didn't know what that meant. It means <laughs> spitting at a distance. Yes. That's amazing. Um, and I should have known that because the, the, the moment he says it, he goes... He spits, in, he spits at a distance. It's amazing. And gets 10 points. Immediately, <laughs> of course For he Gaston. does. He's especially good at expectorating. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, Gaston's a great character because the whole point of that movie, and this is why I think it's one of the Disney's best movies, is because it plays with their own expectations. Sure, it has the wistful character who who wants something more, wants something more from life. It's got that. It's got the falling in love in a small period of time kind of thing. Although this film, it, it sort also of implies that, Stockholm syndrome. But this, well, yeah, but this film sort of implies <laughs> that she's less a prisoner after the first night. Like it's more a case of she's there in exchange for her father's freedom. So she is a prisoner, 
but he doesn't keep her locked up or anything. He doesn't sort of control her more than after that first couple of days because the furniture basically convinces her, like, look, she's a lovely person. Spend some time with her because they want to see him become less of a monster. They want to see him become nice again. Obviously, yeah, them falling in love is a bit, really, we're doing this? But it's, a, it's an animated fairy tale. There's going to be some of that. But what's so great about this movie is on the surface, they still take the piss because if you watched it with the sound off for a bit, I wouldn't recommend it. It's a freaking gorgeous I, film, both in script and mm. song and everything. But if you watch it with the sound off, if it's just like in the lobby of a building somewhere, you would look at it and you would assume, oh, Gaston, that's, that guy in the red, that's the good guy. He's the hero. Look at him. He's the good guy. He's going to protect her. Look at the size of his monster. muscles. That's why I love Gaston, because he's just... No one's pants are incredibly tight like that. <laughs> oh, God. He's amazing. Gaston is one of the best Disney villains. I love him. Because he's... He's the only one who actually feels really dangerous by the end of it. Because you're like, paraz. a real person could get, a real person could do that, could get that nuts and pick up that thing and smash that thing and get other people, rally other people. Well, it's because he's the best and the rest are all drips. Yeah. <laughs> I want to watch Beauty and the Beast now. God, I love it. <laughs> so I want to see more of Luke Evans as Gaston. And all we're seeing of him so far is like final scene, like, kill the beast! Like, kill and it's like, no, no, show some of the dick. Show some of the smarmy twat. Show some of the dick. Show some dick. I want some, show some, some dick. dick in your Disney movie. I want some D23 right oh, up God. in my face. Um, do you know what I mean? And LeFou as well. Like, Josh Gad as LeFou. Show us a bit of LeFou. I'm not a huge fan of Josh Gad, but that's mostly because of the roles he's picked. But I, I, I think he's a damn talented guy. And it's good casting. Him as LeFou. I want to see more of him. Well, assuming that this is indeed a musical, which it seems to be. Yeah, well, it keeps saying songs by songs based on the work of Alan Menken, original score and songs by Alan Menken and someone. So I think they've had new stuff written. Um, just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Who, who, have we got, who have we got as our talking... Oh my God, Kevin Klein was Maurice? Kevin Klein was Bell's dad. Did you see that in the trailer? I didn't get a good look. He's got all covered in beard, to be fair. I could not tell it was Kevin Klein. As crazy old Maurice. He's always good for a laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cadenza. I'm not sure who that character is, but apparently he's being played by Stanley Tucci. The Tooch. The Twitch. Uh, Audra McDonald is the wardrobe. Tooch and the Gooch. Gugu Mabatha Raw as Plumette. That's the uh, duster, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Emma Thompson is Mrs. Potts. Yeah. It'll be interesting to hear her singing in the title track. Ian McKellen as Cogsworth. Hugh McGregor as Lumiere. <clears throat> um, Dan Stevens is the Beast. I like his voice. Yeah. I wonder if it's been treated much. Because when you first hear him in the trailer, it I sounds like... I imagine it's been treated very well. It is his bread and butter. When you first... <laughs> Dirty swine. Yeah. <laughs> but when you first hear him in the trailer... He sounds like the OG Beast, which is kind of nice. It's like, ooh. And then as the trail goes on, you're like, oh no, he's, he's full on British accent. He's got his own thing, but he's got the same kind of tone and inflection. Mm. That's nice. That's an interesting little thing. Um, but I just, I'm, I'm going to point out the um, the uh, Hermione Granger shaped elephant in the room. <laughs> I'm not sold on Emma Watson's no, bell. Neither am I. Neither am I. I'm not sold on Emma Watson's bell. Um, and again, not so much, not so much in a shallow kind of just not gorgeous enough to be Belle kind of thing, you know. Different strokes for different folks. Well, she clearly is an attractive woman, so you can't get that's, yeah. not, that's not a good excuse. No, it's not about how attractive she is. I just don't buy her as Belle. They're kind of giving her that 
bookish sort of looking away and Belle is well read and learned. Belle is all about stories and imagination, but not because she, it's not because she's like, you know, oh, I, I'm better than everyone. I'm sort of, you know, I'm going to narrow myself into study. She does look a bit snooty, doesn't she? Yeah. And that's an Emma Watson thing, I think. Yeah. But at the same time, and again, that's not a character, that's not a, a compliment on, a comment on her character as a person. More just kind of like, it feels like she's playing it a bit, I'd say it posher than Belle should Look, I, be. I don't think Emma Watson is capable of playing a convincing working class, lower class character. Yeah, okay, that's a yeah, that's a good. I show. just don't. I, she's just got that air of class. Yeah, about her, which. And Be- Belle, Belle's a daydreamer. No. Belle's a, if you're going to go yeah. for a Harry Potter correlation, because of course you're all nutters, Belle is like a slightly less crazy Luna Lovegood kind of character. She's a daydreamer. She's she's about like, you know, she wants to go off to far off lands and see dragons and mermaids and waterfalls. Like, this is her life. This is the sort of stuff I she's... I think you're stretching that one a bit, Chris. Yeah, I think you're stretching bit. that to breaking point. Well, people only understand things in Harry Potter. People only understand things in terms of Harry Potter. Have you seen that thing do the rounds on Twitter where somebody's taken a screen cap of all the times a new story related to, like politics over the last two weeks has been compared to oh it looks like Voldemort's getting power and everything this guy's like screen caps all and said uh, my worry isn't the news stories anymore it's that you're all reading the same books read something else maybe a history book for your comparisons maybe read that um, <sighs> that being said I'm looking forward to Fantastic Beast uh, but still where are they <laughs> I don't know I don't do it in IMAX <laughs> Starring Eddie Redmayne as Matt Smith. Um, so, uh, did you see the news story that Eddie Redmayne's like, yeah, I want to play Doctor Who. Oh, do you? Uh, do you? Do you, Eddie Redmayne? No, think about, think about what you're getting yourself into, Eddie. Do you really? Oh, God. Talk to Peter. Talk to Peter first. <laughs> Say, Peter, was this a good decision for you? And Peter, I bet Peter has mixed feelings on it. <laughs> Well, I, bet he does. I don't know that he does because I don't know him. But I mean, we've spoken about Doctor Who. We're going to speak about Doctor Who again later, anyway. So yeah. yeah. Well, let's 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 swing our big pendulous cocks that way. Are we, we? <laughs> pendulous, pendulous cocks. Oh, you're so so good to me. <laughs> well, uh, before we do, though, yes, we've got one more news story to cover. War by Jingo. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so you remember when? Marvel was talking about an Inhumans movie. Oh, yes. That's like Phase 4. It was like, 2019! And then it just disappeared. And they were like, uh, maybe not. <laughs> Are we doing that? I think we're going to do Inhumans. I just don't know. Uh, it's a TV series. Which I'm totally fine with! It's a TV series coming out next year. Which I'm more than fine with! Because um, here's the thing. When the Spider-Man movie was announced... It sort of Spider-Man. It made, it, when the Spider-Man Homecoming was announced, it sort of made it clear that maybe that's the reason Inhumans has been bumped off. Yeah, and we understand it. We get You've it. Got to make room we for understand. this wild crawler, um, and also stop pushing your fake X-Men on us. But unless you're going to do it right, and maybe the way to do it right is to go, yeah, on Agents of Shield. Agents of Shield. Well, no, no, no but like Agents <laughs> of Shield. Right. Agents of Shield has introduced us to the concept of Inhumans and 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 some of it. Some of it. Let's expand. Now, they've confirmed that the Inhumans TV series won't be based on the characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., although that's not to say you can't tie things in. But well, it's going to be based on the same universe, because it all is. Like, oh, no, but I mean, like, have, like, <laughs> like Daisy, for example, yeah, yeah. appear in it at some point. Like, Netflix, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
the movies that all takes place in the same universe, regardless of whether how much that or they comment on each other or not. It's all, it now, is all in the same universe. But now this universe is about to get the Inhumans in the traditional sense. Oh, yes! We're talking the kingdom of... We're talk- Was it Atalan? Was Atalan. It? Atalan. Black motherfucking Bolt. Full name. Son. <laughs> no, his full name, his full name is Blackagar Boltagon. Of course it I is. I shit you not, that is a person's name. <laughs> Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> Isn't that a performance venue in Blackagar Boltagon? Isn't that a performance venue in Bolton? <laughs> the Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> Starting tonight, the Blackagar Boltagon. Get your tickets from blackagarboltagon.net. Black um, Medusa. Yes. Karnak, yes. Maximus the Mad. Lockjaw. I was going to say, do you think we're going to get Lockjaw? Lockjaw. Oh my god. What's the bet in what's the bet in Lockjaw isn't big and then they'll get to that at some point. They'll go screw it, we've got the effects money. Fucking wrong. If 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 the CW can stick CGI gorillas willy-nilly left right and center, give us a big CGI like freaking bull. You know what else they could also set up? Oh, go on. Ms. Uh, Marvel, Kamal Khan. She's inhuman. Oh god. What do you think they call her? Ms. Marvel. Oh, because she could just be inspired by Captain Marvel. But well, that's exactly what it is in the comic. She's inspired yeah. by Captain no, Marvel. No, but I mean, but I mean, they could. That's how they could do that in the film. Like they could wait for series two of Inhumans, for example. And be like, Kamala and, Khan. Yeah, Kamala Khan, bitches. <laughs> Kamala Khan is great. She's one of the best characters Marvel have, have introduced in the last decade. She's pretty damn sweet. Yeah, I've only, I've only ever experienced her in tie-ins with like Spidey and stuff. And every time I meet her, I'm like, I want to. Read I've read more like of you. a good chunk of her first solo series, and it, she's awesome. <laughs> Um, so this could be the springboard into a whole bunch of new stuff then yes oh my god because Marvel are really pushing Inhumans at the moment in the comics like well there's motives for that from what we can tell yeah I mean they're they're trying to slowly push the X-Men out of the spotlight and replace them with the Inhumans I I don't think trying to push is (laughs) they they just are like so depressing when you think about it on that business level, isn't it? Yeah, because X-Men used to be like their flagship section of their of their comics titles in like the 90s. But also like... They haven't been doing... There have been... Since then, there have been like little bits of the X-Men that have been really good. But for the most part, it's been kind of dreck. Mm, like, yeah. I really like Grant Morrison's new X-Men. A lot of people don't. You're all wrong. It's amazing. <laughs> but then, like the Chuck Austin run on Uncanny X Men was dog shit. Um, like it's been a bit up and down with the whole House of M one nine eight decimation thing. Um, Kieran Gillen's stuff on Uncanny was really good. Matt Fraction did a decent run on Uncanny, but he was mired with Greg Land for a lot of it. Mm, and so God. was Kieran Gillen, to be fair. Um, the Bendis stuff was right. The only X Men Uncanny X Men stuff. It, it went to some interesting places. All, but it all never... new started pretty strong. Yeah, but it, it doesn't. It just <clears throat> kind of petered out. Yeah, yeah. Like Bendis is maybe Bendis say is it, overstretched. Just say it. Just, maybe yeah. Bendis is overstretched. I think Bendis. You're writing too many books, and they all sound the same. I, I love mean, you, Bendis. They're all very well written, oh, but they're all starting. Are they? <laughs> are they though? I've never read a Bendis book that I've not come out the back of and gone. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I have. Oh, <laughs> um, his new. I don't like his Guardian. His diary doesn't count. I don't like his Guardians at all. I've not followed it beyond um, the issue. I, B- Black Vortex is when I stopped for finance reasons. I was yeah, like, I'm going to stop buying I'm, this. I've book, not yeah. been a fan. I didn't even get to Black Vortex. I'm like, this, this is not. Like, this isn't right. 
Um, they just everyone just sounds like everyone else. What are this? What are yes. this? Just write Spider Man, write Jessica Jones. That's all you need to do. Don't do anything else. Put that pen down, Bendis. He has he has children. Stop it. He has to feed his children. Listen, man, I got five kids to feed. I don't think that's how Brian Michael Bendis talks. <laughs> then he pulls his arm off and there's an arm underneath it. Um, <laughs> and he comes back to have a big drill tag later on. Jesus uh, Christ. Bendis recall. Um, <laughs> hey, man, I got five kids to feed. <laughs> but yeah, I, I Welcome think, to what I like to call tangents. Uh, I think we can talk more about Marvel in future episodes, but... Their whole X-Men and humans pushing thing and the fact that there's no Fantastic Four title anymore. Although they are still using those characters. Yes, that's They're the still using thing. the thing and they're still using the Human Torch and they're still using loads of Fantastic Four stuff. Oh, by the way, did you also see the news story about the whole character trade between Fox and Marvel? No. So, Marvel wanted Beagle the Living Planet for Guardians Volume 2. Yeah. But they didn't have the rights to him. Oh, okay. Who did they trade? Fox. They went to Fox and said, uh, we can have Ego. You guys bought Ego when um, you got Fantastic Four, I'm yeah. guessing. Give us Ego and we'll let you do whatever you want with Negasonic Teenage Warhead of the Deadpool movie. Because they went to Marvel. Cause, oh, because, of course, okay. Negasonic is yeah. completely different in the film <clears throat> from how yeah. she is in the original comic. Yeah. So Fox got Marvel like, uh, can we just like retool her and like, let her do, like, change her powers and... You know, just kind of make her her own thing. Marvel first, like, like what, what should we write back? Just tell them, why don't you just pick a different character then, you <laughs> fucking idiot? And then someone went, wait, wait, no, no, no. No, no, no. The guys over there are batshit stupid. Tell them. Tell them. Let them do whatever they want to that character. If we can have Ego the Living Planet. We want Ego the Living Planet. And they're like, alright. Which goes to show how much Fox don't actually really give a shit which, about the material for the most part. Which is good, because Jamie Gunn has also come out and said, yeah, I didn't have a backup plan at all. <laughs> like I just wrote the script with Eagle Living Planet and was like, yeah, I, that, that's that, that's what I was gonna do. Oh my I god, I have no idea what I was gonna do if I didn't get back. Back when back when Daredevil was possibly gonna be retooled as a seventy set movie with Fox when they were at that very end where it was like they were gonna do a Daredevil, which movie. would have been interesting. But we kind of got, I kind of got a lot of that same feeling from the Netflix series. So yeah, oh no, but but that. but that was that was their last like bout at like yeah. remember seeing the sizzle reel right. Yeah. It was a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, but the, it was a case of Marvel said to them um, in that deal there was a trade thing where they said like look we'll extend your time with Daredevil if you want this is before I guess they went hang on no we want to you know we want to do something they said we'll, we'll let you keep Daredevil if you give us Galactus and the Silver Surfer <laughs> because they were obviously thinking about Galactus for an Avengers movie maybe like yeah. use him later and Fox um, refused. They said, no, no, it's, no, we're going to do something with them. Because they were obviously... Are you though, Fox? Well, they were obviously thinking... Are you? They were obviously thinking, we've got a Fantastic Four movie yeah, on the way. We're going to do something with them. We're going we're gonna to grossly mishandle them again. <laughs> Jesus. That's what we're going to do. We're going to fuck that up. One more time. Oh, God. One more time. Well, obviously, that worked out the best for everybody. So Marvel went, oh, I guess we've got Daredevil back. What should we do with it? Hey, uh, you know the Netflix division we were thinking of? Uh, yeah. uh, over here, sir. Over here. Let's create the single greatest superhero project Axel, that we've ever Axel, worked on. I've got an idea. <laughs> Joe! <laughs> Look at me! Look at me, Joe! It's me. I'm Dave from TV. I'm flying, Joe. Axel, Joe! I've got an idea. Mr. Kazana! Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. flailing arm man in the Mr. back. Mr. Kazana! What if, right? What if 
we make it a TV show. And we put it on this... There's this thing, right? There's this thing called Netflix. And what they do... Netflix? Yeah. What are Netflix? You don't even have to buy the DVD. You just put the show online and people watch it. But how do we make money? Jeff, stop writing books. They're all shit. <laughs> Fuck the Portable 3, and you haven't written anything good since. Jeff, go and run this enormously important part of our operation. Go and run TV, and don't fuck it up. <laughs> or so help me, Jeff. I'll make you write Ultimates 4. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's how the Dead of a Netflix show was born. Oh, God. While I'm at it, do you know uh, Joker Soldier's Painkiller Jane's getting a movie? Yeah, with um, uh, Jessica Chastain as Painkiller Jane. Oh, it rhymes. Like poetry, it rhymes. Um, <laughs> Speaking of poetry. Yes. You guys have written poetry. Oh, yes, you have. In the, the form, form literal poetry. Poetry. a rhyme. I mean, then poetry doesn't necessarily need to rhyme. It's also no, it's avant-garde. Avant-garde. You've written emails! Emails! And now we're going to respond to some of them. Are we? Go- are we With our mouths. Do we have to, Chris? Emails! I'm going to use my eyes to read them. I'm going to use And then stick them in mind. my mouths. What, what, what was that? Huh? So we have <laughs> correspondence. From our class correspondent, <laughs> Jacob Knowles. He's watching class, so we don't have to. <laughs> In all seriousness, Jacob, I, we are sorry. We haven't been able to catch up on class. Um, <laughs> oh, good one. No, I, I genuinely have wanted to catch up on it so we could actually talk to you properly about it. Oh. But um, oh. Well, you I could just haven't that. been able to because of You, you and Jacob can, uh, um, can corral on that one. So we can talk to him about it, Chris. Oh, You're no. not getting out of this. You're f- you are watching class at some point. I don't want to watch class um, Shit. But we haven't been able to catch up on it. Um, but I'm glad that you sent us your thoughts because, well, I'd just like to know what you think. Um, so hello, my friends. Hello, Jacob. Uh, I am going to start off with my review of class. Well, it was more interesting than the last week. Uh, something actually interesting happened. What's a face became the Shadow Kin King. Oh, that rhymes. <laughs> um, that actually actually says that. I think the flower pellets really suited the class unitard. I don't know what that means. And Do I liked know? how Ram and, and Tanya got a little bit more character development. I still don't think any of the characters are relatable, though the most relatable character is probably Ram's dad. I still think the theme tune with the fiery passion, it's awful. Yes, Jacob, it is. How did, <laughs> how did not Tanya, the other girl, know how to fight the Shadow King King as it's because uh, she was connected to the Shadow King? I... I, if it was been, I think, four or five weeks, I generally can't remember the name of one of the main characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not just you, Jacob. Um, I, gen- I genuinely mean when I say this, I think next week's episode looks good, but I've been saying that for the last five weeks, so we'll see. So I kind of want to catch up on that now. Is Jacob selling you on a terrible show? You are kind of selling on it, Jacob. Out of, bo- out of both your mutual no, hatred I do, for it I do, and curiosity and sci-fi monster of the week stuff. I am sorry again that we haven't managed to catch up on it because I do th- we, uh, we do want to talk about it. Um, properly, but thank you for sending in your thoughts on it because, um, yeah, awesome. I think we'll end up doing um, sometime 
possibly in the new year. We'll have to wait and see. But we'll end, yeah, we'll we end might... up doing a, I think, a biology class. Well, it, how, where we'll dissect it. How many episodes? We'll lay it on an operating table and we'll eight in total. Oh right. So yeah, what we'll probably do is we'll wait until the new year. Yeah. Where you're when after you're back from your escapades. Yeah. And then we'll lay it on an operating table and then get we'll... a scalpel. Cut it open and find out how it died. <laughs> we killed it. Um, oh god. Uh, it's still alive! Ah! Oh god, no! Now, now, are you, have you got your reluctance hat on? <gasps> Is it time for everyone's favourite item that doesn't have a sting so we're going to make one up? Chris and Matt, two lifelong Doctor Who fans, reluctantly answer Doctor, Doctor Who questions. questions. Oh, wee, um, wee, that's almost true. <laughs> Um, wouldn't mind if I don't join you. So, <laughs> Jacob, uh, <laughs> now for Doctor Who questions. Before my first question, you asked me what's my favourite generation. I think it's three into four. Good choice. That's a good choice. Um, I have always had a huge respect for John Pertwee as he was the very first classic Doctor I remember watching. I love how John underplays his last moments. I think it's great. I also like six into seven because of how ridiculous it is. <laughs> yeah, six into seven, the regeneration that isn't. Yeah, <laughs> they basically not. just roll him over and it's swirly face man in a wig. Um, a tear fell, Jane. Because they, no, no. Colin wouldn't come back for it. Don't cry. They're like, um, Colin. Oh, there, oh, there's life. There's. Is that Tom Baker in a, in a silver <laughs> wig? Uh, um, yeah, no, that's, it's Colin essentially getting fired. Yeah. And then like, they said. Hi. Um, Colin, you're fired. Do you want to come back and do the uh, regeneration? Uh, you won't mind if I don't join you. <laughs> there it is. Uh, That's apparently exactly what he said. Now for the Doctor Who questions. Um, <laughs> if you could meet any dead Doctor and companion, who would it be? I think for me it would be John and Liz. I'm, gu- I'm guessing Mr. while they're alive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Favourite... <laughs> Favourite SJA episode and favourite DVD in terms of extras and bonus features. Before I say goodbye, I want to thank you for making my, my making me laugh and making my week a better one. No worries, man. Also, I want to thank you for reading my emails. They're terribly structured. We love your terribly structured emails, Jacob. They're a highlight of our week. And we're glad that you're enjoying the show. We really are genuinely glad. Question thank one. you very much. Um, we love oh, you, Jacob. Question one. Uh, ah, good. Well, I think Dead that would be... All right. Any, any dead doctor and companion. So an, an actor actors. who's passed. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I would. Look... Well, doctor and companion. Okay. So you've got a also, choice of three doctors. So I, I guess because they're dead, we're talking actors. Then I guess isn't yeah. It? Like, so we're what, talking what Billy like Hartnell, Pat yeah. Trout, and John Pertwee. Um, I um, think in terms of meeting them, I'd like to meet them not so much in like a sit down chat. I'd like to like be pray be audience to them, like maybe at like a dinner party or like a convention or something. And it'd be Patrick Troughton. Because it just seems so bloody lovely. I'd love to see Patrick Troughton like speak at something. Oh yeah, because yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> as much as I'd love to see John, there's lots of lovely footage of John talking about this stuff, like especially in, like Thirty Years in the Tardis and things like that. Um, but I, I would, I would probably go with John over Pat because okay, I'm saying like I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying like, like, like good mates. I don't know them. No, but you just you, so you just, so it's so disrespectful. You just know that with both those choices, they just rock up wherever they were in the costume yeah. anyway. <laughs> um. Um, I'd probably go with John again for similar reasons as Jacob. John, he wasn't the first Doctor I can remember watching because I remember watching Tom first, but like Green Death mm-hmm. and Death to the Daleks and Day yeah. of the Daleks and stories that I, early stories that I had copies of and were like, 
this is awesome. Uh, Green Death, I think, I actually watched it being repeated on the BBC during the 90s. When they used to do every so often, they'd just repeat a classic story. Yes. So I saw I Green Death, and I saw Pyramids repeated, and then in the early 2000s, they repeated Genesis to the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And little b- and yeah. so I remember little bits like that. Um, um, Nicholas Courtney. I'd love to yes. have met Nicholas Courtney. Yes! Nicholas Courtney. I oh did I meet Nicholas? I very briefly met Nicholas Courtney oh, when I was a wee nipper. <clears throat> I went to a Doctor Who Christmas party, which was a mini, basically a mini con. Yeah, uh, like one of those they do at like a hotel. I, it was in London. Yeah, I can barely remember it. <laughs> I can barely remember it. It was back when Gary Gillett was editing DWM. Okay, so that's yeah. how long ago it was. Um, and it was Nick Courtney was there, Sarah Sutton. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> Um uh, Who else was there? Mike Tucker was there, and it was mm-hmm. like a big presentation on special effects mm-hmm. for that he'd done for the series, and also stuff he'd done for like Red Dwarf and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, and I, I know I got an autograph from Nick Courtney, so. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. What I'm gonna have to do is I'm gonna have to bring my Doctor Who photo album at some point. We'll do a little video, try and crack out of just point. the stuff that I've got and the because <laughs> I went. I also went to the opening of the old exhibition in it used to be in Clangoflin. Yes, the, 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 the toy the the, yep. the toy museum attached to it. Yep. Yeah, I went to that one. I I went, went to, to the one. opening of that. Oh man! Uh, so nerd. There were and it was just around the time the TV movie was coming out on VHS. Oh my so god! They were selling wow. That. And yeah. I think that's where I got we got a copy of it, and there was people in like Jonathan Turner was there. <laughs> it was when he was still alive. You remember um, it well. You just remember looking up and there being this giant bright flash of Hawaiian patterns. And he was there in <laughs> he was there in Bessie, and the Humbeel was there. And yeah, there was people in Sideman there. costumes. There was people in Time Lord costumes, and. <laughs> Yeah, it was awesome. Your eyes are lighting up while you talk about oh. this. This is really cute. And then it was, um, <laughs> and then a lot of that stuff ended up moving over to the Blackpool exhibition when the Langhoffen one closed down. And then um, I loved the Langhoffen one. I, I, I the ones that traumatized it, me in the best way. Some of it got rolled into the Doctor experience, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know what happened to a lot of the other stuff. The, 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 the Langhoffen one was the one that like the Daleks were in their own separate section. They were in, like a cabinet, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And there was like a button you pressed and they activated. Like the noises. All that, what, all that stuff got moved over to the, to the yeah. Blackpool one. Because, oh, but a lot of it. I remember they had the Mara. I remember they had it like properly yeah, inside yeah. the case, and it was huge. Like it was big, huge, it was huge. Um, but a lot, a big lot, snake, big possession snake. There was <laughs> more stuff in at Longleat, mm. and then it got destroyed in the Longleat fire. Oh, of course, there was yeah. loads of like uh, things like the um, the robot from the Visitation, which is a gorgeous oh. prop, mm. destroyed in the God. fire. Uh, I think there's some fire damaged bits and pieces that were in the exp- that were in the Langhoffen exhibition and also the Blackpool one. Mm. The little bits that survived that, but there were some gorgeous little props that were lost in that, unfortunately. Um, but yes, I did. Nicholas Courtney, great shout. I think I'm going to go agree with Jacob again and go with Liz. Yeah, uh, because I, yeah. again, just because um, John and Liz as a pairing. Would have been lovely. Well, actually, no, because I didn't really see any John and Liz stories until later on. But I, I think because you, know, I think because you know their fondness that they have for yeah. each other in real life and stuff, you'd want to sort of but sit down from, with them. And... Apart from Planet of the Spiders, yeah, which they used to have in Spinton Library. 
So I used to rent it every fucking week and just watch it again. And yeah, libraries, kids, are places where they you could go in and ask for a book. And you could borrow that book for a period of time. Christopher, there are still um, libraries. And they still exist. Occasionally, they'd have their VHSs and, and eventually DVDs as well. That you Richesses. could borrow if you wanted. Yeah, Richesses. and uh, they're good places, full of education and discovery and good places, full of wonder. Yeah, not just for creepy weirdos to. Like me! Log into um, Pornhub during the week. I've had too much coffee, I'm starting to get dinner. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> and um, I'm also going down memory lane, so. Uh, but yes, I think I'm going to go with Liz and John, just because I think they're amazing. Question two! From Matthew Watson! Question two! Favourite SJA episode? Um, no, I haven't seen a lot of SJA, so we, I'm going to abstain from this one. We're going to have to have marathon it at some point. You um, would love it. What's your favourite SJA episode? Um, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Serious Adventures and I've seen bits of it. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've not seen, I've seen the odd episode, but I've not seen all of it. So, um, the last Sontarans not one of the greatest, but it is probably the last really cool version of the Sontarans to be in anything Doctor Who related. What's the one with the Jadoon? Uh, oh. Rogue? Oh god, I forgot what that was called. But it is this alien called uh, Andravax. I think it is. It's a shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah. And um, was it a shapeshifter or is it? I've seen that one. Does it take the, people's it, forms? It goes into the Jadoon has come down to get hold, like to to detain it. Does it nick a police car? Oh no, there's a bit where yeah, there's a bit where it and Clyde Roddy Luke in a police car, and they the pursue this thing and it's just sat in the car and they, they pull up to this traffic lights and this car pulls up near them they're blasting their music out and the Jadoon basically just winds the window down <laughs> leans out tells them to like turn the music down or like they, there's a penalty and it like just lifts up its ray gun and they just oh. whack it right down oh. sit there in stunned silence adventures was so as this fun. rhino gives them like I think gives them like a ticket and then wishes them a nice day and it drives <laughs> off and you're like oh my god because it was clearly made on a lower budget mm. than Doctor Who, and a lot of it was clearly okay. We've got these costumes and props left over from Doctor Who stories. How can we use? But them in a their Sarah relationship story? with the parent show because they were made in the same space, yeah, was so good that it was never a case of oh, it's the hand me downs. It was a case of right, let's show you how to do this. Yeah. Oh my god, we can give you this. Do you want this set? We've done this with this set now. We can give you a day if you want to redress it and then use it for the week. You can do it. And also, I imagine a lot of that modern stuff was built to be reused anyway because mm-hmm. you you would cover your cost by going okay we built this I monster think, I think the yeah, only look how many times they used the Jadoon well I was going to say well, I was going to they, they they they're in one story that. and then they keep whenever they reuse them they look glorious they look as good as they did. the only monster I think what that wasn't built for sustainability as the experience tends to show off is the Slavine from series one they weren't built to be reused um, no. you can kind of see that the costumes wore quite easily so for Sarah Jane Adventures they were freaking rebuilt <laughs> yeah and they were rebuilt to be used again and again. And they look great. Um, well, the blatherine make appearances and they look gorgeous yeah, as well. Yeah, they're from Monsters Inside, they? from Monsters yeah. Inside. Oh, the Monsters Inside, I think they just mentioned their, their skin has a different hue to the Slitheen. But in Surgeon Adventures, they just go, yeah, they're orange. The Blatherine are orange. Here they are. <laughs> it's like fair news. Um, cool. The Nightmare cool. Man is a great story. That's got Julian Bleach in his, in his third role across all three shows yes. at the time. Look, it's really creepy. That um, I can't remember the name of it. The uh, day is it Day of the Clown or Invasion of the Clowns, which is uh, the one with uh, Bradley Walsh as the villain, and he's really creepy. That's great. Yeah. Um, 
the tricks to the, the three the three tricks to stories are amazing um especially to especially whatever happened to sarah jane smith in series one that's really good uh oh god there's some really good stories i think highlights for me wedding of sarah jane smith is obviously a highlight for a lot of people because tenant's great in it yeah. but for, for me it's either the best sarah jane story is either off the top of my head jake i'm not thinking too much about it is either death of the doctor from series four with uh joe grant or joe jones as she is now smith and jones Go, Russell! Um, continuing his tradition. Um, and, and Matt Smith is the 11th Doctor. The only time we got to see Russell write for Matt. And he's great. And he go- oh, he throws in this brilliant line where Clyde's asking him quite like, Clyde, he's rescued the kids who were sort of stuck in the, it's, it's, it's Rani and, and, and Clyde and Santiago, who's Joe's grandson. Yeah. Played by Finn Jones. He's now Iron Fist! He's now Iron Finn's to Jones. Iron Finn. And and the Grosk, who's with them, played by Jimmy V, who's like the unsung oh. hero of Doctor <laughs> Who. The Grosk, as in the good version of the Grask. Uh, yeah, well, they're, they're less nasty. Yeah, they, they're not, they're not like... But it's the same They're not costume. like criminals for hire, but same costume, but yeah. blue. But blue. <laughs> see what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? <laughs> yes! Uh, but but the way the way Russell writes it is it sort of feels like a subtle callback to Clom Rex Acorcophalabatorium yeah, sort of yeah. thing. And it's like, oh yeah. that's great. And there's a bit where the dog's managed to get them out of this thing. And oh, to get out of the vents, he's crawling it. backwards. And it's just this very brief scene where Clyde's basically just looking at the doctor really intently as they're crawling back. So it's, the whole thing's mo- moving the whole time. And he's like, What is it? And he's like, I mean the eyes are even different. What? Your eyes are even different. I thought like they'd stay the same, maybe. Or he's like, no. He's like, so do you always when you change everything changes? Yeah. Are you always white? No, no, not always. Like you know, you always have to be white. And he goes, no, no, not not always. And he goes, all right. And he says, um, could you always be? I think he says like, could you always be a man? And he's like, don't know. It differs. He says, how many times can you do it? He goes, oh, three hundred and twelve. He's like, all right. And I remember gossip sites, like, new, you know, Doctor Who geek sites and everything, news sites, exploding that week. Oh, yeah, because they always did. And going, them. has Russell just changed the regeneration that, limit? That was after I took a break from a lot of the Doctor Who online community because mm. it just becomes so toxic. Like, has Russell changed the regeneration limit? It's like, yeah. it's a joke. It's the Doctor just answering it, whatever. Yes, 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 yes to fine, Clyde. Yes. And it's to make the viewer go, ah, cheeky. Like, that's it. That is literally it. And people got so wound up about it. And I love that. So Death of the Doctor is, is great. Because also it's the first time where they just go, here's footage of John and Tom. This is all the same thing, everybody. It's the first time Sarah Jane Adventure just goes like, boom, here it all is. And it's great. And David Bradley voicing the Shan Sheath, the undertakers of the universe, these species who find the dead lost in battle or, or, or like in distant reaches, who bring them back inform their loved ones, perform the ceremony and give them a send-off and they find the body of the Doctor, apparently. And that's how the story gets going. And they're big vultures. They're giant vultures. <laughs> in robes. And it's amazing because obviously you think, oh wow, it's continuing that Russell thing of kind of like the animal-alien hybrid sort of thing that we've got like with the Jadoon and the Trivators and everything and, and the Hath. And... Okay, but then when the story goes on and you find out what they're really sort of up to, they're not like the main villains, they're part of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's a corrupt unit general. You're like, oh my god, you find out what their part is. You're like, oh my god, Vultures is so appropriate because they essentially are picking the bones of this situation. Yes, yeah. This is amazing. Death of the Doctor is brilliant. Um... But also, I won't say t- I won't talk too much because we could do a whole episode on this. But um, there's and we should, uh, yeah. Oh, what's it called? It's in series five, uh, which is very short. Series five is only three stories to so six episodes because uh, series five was shot the same time as series four, with the intention of when they came back, they were going to shoot the second half of series five and series six. Yeah. Uh, the reason they were doing this is because they knew that um, behind the scenes, I guess they knew that Liz wasn't very well, so they wanted to pace it. Um, but alas, we obviously never got to um, 
go much further those stories. Uh, in fact, one of the stories that never happened, called uh, I think it was the Twelfth Floor, was eventually adapted into a Wizards vs Aliens episode. Oh, um, but yeah, the, oh there is the Curse of Clyde Langer in series five is amazing, and it's, it's essentially uh, Danny Anthony steering the whole episode as something is, is like this totem, this object makes him the most hated and revi- like reviled person by anyone he loves. Everyone he loves just imme- this thing just makes him like the most disgusting thing they've ever laid their eyes on. And it's about dealing with what if one day suddenly your friends or family saw you in a whole new light and it broke your heart. And it's it's just horrible. Like it's a really horrible story for a kid show and it's told with such care. It's brilliant. It's so good. And it's mostly him. Like, and it's weird to see like these lovely characters played by like you know Liz Sladen and Angelina Mahindra like suddenly being horrible to him. It, it's weird. That's a great story. But yeah, we'll get to that another time. But yeah, and what was the last question? Sorry, last the question last question was... is: What's your favourite uh, Who DVD in terms of extras, bonus features? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think there are. I think there are. What do they call those box sets? The the revisitations. Revisitations. The revisitations. Um, because it gave us stories that either we already owned or were waiting for. Because once, once I knew Revisitations was coming out, I held off on like Robots of Death because I was like, I'll wait for that, I'll wait for that. So I'm going to have to buy it again because I really like Robots of Death. Um, <laughs> I've already got the original one and I'm going to have to buy the Revisitations version at some point. But the features they whacked on were are great. Like There's a really nice like abundance of features. Yeah, because they'd gotten so much better at doing that after mm. they'd done the initial batch of releases. They were like, oh, God, yeah, we kind of have to go back and... Let's put the three Doctors out again. And yeah. let's, let's, let's put TV... Because everyone wants again. another version of that. <laughs> Everyone wants another version of that. It's never Omega. <laughs> um, um, but failing that, uh, I'd say just the sort of series one, two, three, four kind of thingy. Okay. Because you get the nice video diaries, usually from David Tennant. Um, a lot of lovely interviews behind the scenes with that like, FX team and Rusty Davis and Phil Collinson and Julie Gardner. And also entire discs of Confidential. Mm. Like cut downs, yes, but still 15 minute episodes. One for every episode in the box set. Oh, I miss Confidential. Oh, we all do, man. We all do. Yeah. It's not the same, is it? Doctor Who feels like less of an event without it. Yeah. It was like, it was a programming block. And it was one of the early sort of like after show mm. things. Yeah. Before it was just like people are on a couch going, Oh, isn't the series so great? Yeah, the series is so great. I'm a celebrity and the series is so great. The series is so great. And I'm a celebrity and I love the series. And it's so great. Do you love the series? No, I'm here because my agent's got the same agent as you and they put me on it. All right. Oh, that shit like Talking Dead and uh, yeah. Game of Thrones. Oh, fucking who cares? Um, <laughs> Thronecast! Oh, Piss for off. sake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, mine is The Trial of the Time Lord. Oh, okay. Because... Mm. Yes, I know where you're going with this. Brilliant documentary about the hiatus and the production of Trial of the Time Lord and how just fucked everything was behind the scenes yes. at that point like it was all over the place and it's fascinating and a lot of it stuff's really candid because it's so long after the fact that everyone's like i don't give a fuck i'm gonna say what i really mean now um <laughs> that it's it's worth the set alone just for that documentary that's very true because the story's fucking terrible <laughs> but um it has its moments it's yeah it's terrible it's what are you talking about? It's that amazing model effect shot at the beginning. And then a megabyte all... modem! And then it's all downhill. <laughs> it does have one of the best opening shots of any Doctor Who there story. Are, there are chunks of it that 
Like, it's so patchy. Sagacity. There are bits of Trial of a Time Lord that could be really good. But aren't. And, like, the individual stories without the trial bullshit. <laughs> like, Mind Warp <laughs> could be really good, especially as, like, a death story for Perry. Mm. But then they wimp out on that at the end. It's like, oh, she marries Brian Blessed! Because, of course, she fucking does. What?! Um, Nicola! Terror, terror of the Vervoids. <laughs> God. Terror Come of... into my arms! Terror of... Veronica! <laughs> um, terror of the Vervoids could be, a, could be a really great Murder on the Orient Express style story, mm. but they kind... And it's got some really cool moments in it, but it just... Kind of and vagina flowers. And Let's vagina be honest, flowers. very misguided um, designs. And the first, the first one with the mysterious planet again. That's got some interesting mo- thoughts in it, but just kind of doesn't have a proper ending and is weird. And that the <laughs> the last from Carry On as a tribal leader, although it does have Sabalon Glitz, who I quite like. Yes. Um. Uh. But. Um. Yeah, I'd go for Trial of a Time Lord set. It's, the story's an interesting oddity, but it's not very good. But the features about the, what was going on in the production of that show at the time are brilliant. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't also at least mention the Sutek mini-documentary on Pyramids Oh, God! Oh, <laughs> oh, it's so good! <clears throat> this is my rabbit. He's called Neil. <laughs> Neil. Neil before the might of Sutek. The real plaything. That's it. <laughs> That's freaking great. Don't turn around. If you turn around, you'll die. <laughs> um, okay. And on that note, ladies yes. and gentlemen, uh, I think we'll call it a day for this week before Sutek turns us into the real playthings of Sutek. And before we run out of coffee, because we're going to go and. Uh, I'm actually dead on the floor. He died. He died in a fire three years hence. <laughs> oh, oh, God. So, from Big Damn Chris. And Big Damn Matt. Go subscribe to us on iTunes, you bastards. And keep an eye and an ear to the ground. Maybe not an eye to the ground. Maybe... But don't look round. <laughs> Unless the new slogan. Because <laughs> we've got some news coming soon. But till then. Bye! Bye! I'm playing with the Stephen Moffat figure. It doesn't look like a pog, it looks like Stephen Moffat! It's just fucking egotist.